Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Infamous. Last week, Gabriel Sherman talked about the roller coaster he was on when he was reporting on the right wing, how he became Breitbart's public enemy number one, and eventually met Steve Bannon. When Trump won his election in 2016, he took Bannon with him to the White House, and Gabe was right there. He was reporting on the craziest administration in recent history. And all the people working there were becoming big cultural figures, like the very nativist Bannon, who some people thought wanted to blow up the world. Here's Alec Baldwin playing Trump on SNL. He's sitting in the Oval Office with Steve Bannon, who is dressed like the Grim Reaper. Okay, good. Let's go to Mexico. I figured out a smart, diplomatic way to get them to pay for this wall. Hola, Presidente Nieto. Guy who's going to pay for the wall says what? Okay. You have to say what? (laughs) You said what? You're going to pay for the wall. No way. You pay, loser. You're a bad hombre. Uh, Here come our tanks. Prepare to go to war. Hey, Steve, I'm getting too worked up. Maybe I should stop. Or maybe you should call Germany. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, Gabe had a front seat for Bannon's rise in the White House. And now he's going to tell us more about being a reporter who watched his fall. So, you know, people always say the White House is sort of like a press organ, right? Like, it's no different than, like, communications Mm -hmm. at the Disney Corporation. And there's a sense that all of these people, Kellyanne and Bannon and all of them, even Ivanka, you know, with certain people, are are just getting on the phone and talking to reporters all day long. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's fair to say? 100 percent. I mean, I think the Trump White House in particular— in an odd way, as for corrupt and as crazy as the White House was, it was in some sense the most transparent White House we've ever had, right? Because all the main players are all, you know, New York gossip mongers, right? I mean, they <laughs> totally. all, they just can't help but leaking against each other. It was like Condé Nast in the mid-90s, right? Exactly. It's like Anna Wintour and her enemies. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the it was like the golden age of inside the room White House reporting. And, you know, do you ever read anything interesting about Joe Biden? Yeah, never. Never. Like, right. like that's it's because down. it's just a normal administration where people generally don't leak to reporters. And so, you know, Bannon 
was a skilled player of that game. He knew how to cultivate reporters, leak against enemies. And I would always marvel when I did hear from Steve when he was in the White House, like, don't you have a country to run? Like, how do you even have like... 45 was, minutes yeah, to like, like spin I was, this tale. I was yeah. in like my, like my shitty apartment in Jackson Heights, Queens. Why are you like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, part, it's partly my own self-loathing, but just why are you taking the time to do this? Right. And what's the two of their relationship like? New York kibitzers, like yeah. sort of? On the one hand, they worked together because they're so similar. And at the same time, their relationship blew up because they're too similar. And, you know, Bannon is one of the few people in the Trump orbit who doesn't kiss his ass. Bannon, in some ways, thinks of himself as a self-made guy. And so... You know, ultimately, that relationship was was not going to work because they're basically two alpha lions in the den, right? And they're just going to eat each other, which is what happened. And on top of the fact that Bannon despised Jared Kushner and Ivanka because mm-hmm. he thought of them as just like spoiled rich kids from the Upper East Side who never did anything in their lives. And, you know, here's this guy who, you know, got himself to the White House just through his own, you know, wits, you know, basically self-made. He is our commander in chief. Champion of the American worker, defender of common sense, and our voice for the forgotten men and women of this country, he is our president and my father, Donald J. Trump. So I think as Ivanka and Jared got more power in the White House, it sort of drove Bannon a little crazy, and he was determined to try to force them out. And as anyone, and you've covered Ivanka extensively, as you know, like, with Trump, you try to get in the way of the family, you're going to lose. And I think that was, was sort of idiotic of Steve to think that he could leak stories about Jared and Ivanka and trash them and expect, you know, Trump to take his side. Mm-hmm. And so I think Trump via Jared and Ivanka realized that Steve was ultimately only in it for, for Steve. The president had signaled Bannon's days were numbered in his impromptu news conference this week. We'll see what happens with Mr. Bannon. So Bannon is fired that summer. And, you know, obviously you fire the guy. He's going to, like, then have nothing to lose. Basically, Steve is cast out of the White House. He returns to Breitbart News. What a fall. What a fall, right? (laughs) From the West Wing to a website. (laughs) Next, he's going to host a podcast. (laughs) Shit. So he goes back to the to the media, which I guess some could argue he never left when he was in the White House. And um, he tries to reinvent himself. And he's basically decided that from the perch of Breitbart, he's going to take over the Republican Party and get Mitch McConnell and the, the last of the establishment Republicans fired. And that's where I enter the scene, because I said, well, this guy, you know, Steve has had so many lives He's not going to be done. I wanted to do the story of, like, the the resurrection story. More of this conversation and what part Gabe will play in Bannon's resurrection after the break. Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. 
Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William vs. Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com infamous. That's rocketmoney.com infamous. rocketmoney.com infamous. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. Before the break, Gabe mentioned that he wanted to write the story of Steve Bannon's resurrection. Now, he's going to write that story for Vanity Fair. And the power dynamics between the two of them are going to shift. I I reached out to him and it took a little bit of controlling. But then again, he realized like Vanity Fair could be a platform that would be useful to him. And, uh, and so I traveled around with Bannon. He was speaking at some right-wing anti-China conference, and he was like, yeah, follow me around. And so, like, we flew to Japan with his two Navy SEAL bodyguards. I think his nephew is one of part of his entourage, and he would, like, roll in, like, with military precision. Like, the plane would come in. We went through, like, the secret customs thing that's reserved for celebrities where you don't have to see anyone through, like, the bowels of the airport. Then there's like five SUVs waiting. We like pile on the SUVs, drive into Tokyo. The next day he speaks at this conference and then we're back on the plane. Land back at JFK. There's five more SUVs waiting. We jump in the SUVs, drive to Teterboro, where he has a private jet waiting that belonged to a Taco Bell mogul. Some Republican donor who had 200 Taco Bell franchises, who was like a Steve Bannon fanboy. And so he let Bannon use his private jet to fly to Palm Beach, where Bannon was giving another speech. And it was like this, it was basically like the, like my version of Almost Famous, except instead of a band, it was just like the right wing. <laughs> what does he need bodyguards for? I, it's Again, it's part of his own like mythos. Like he builds himself up into this like larger than life figure. I think it's a lot of it is in his, his mind. Although we did get a heckler when we were waiting for the bags to come off at JFK. Some guy recognized them, some teenager. He's like, fuck you, Bannon. And I was like, <laughs> yes, welcome back to New York. Yeah. Fuck you, you fascist. <laughs> there was really no strings attached. I would just make an appointment and be like, hey, meet me here. And I'd show up and just turn on my tape recorder. And so it was this, for me, this like incredible journalistic opportunity where I just get to like hang out and let the tape run and see what happens. So, so here's my point. 
We're gonna run the tables, brother. I don't, I don't throw bull, you know me, I don't throw bullshit out. So, yeah, a lot of these tapes are outtakes from these interviews where I'd be waiting in like the Japan Airlines lounge at JFK, or we would be on the private jet, or we'd be in the SUV driving. They don't give a shit about these guys. They don't do any significant risk. The black vote in this country is close to revolt. Yeah. He had like his handlers bringing him coffee and the guy doesn't sleep. Hey, I ordered one of the Cureline um, the coffees with uh, French roast beef. Uh, do you want sparkling or straight? Uh, 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 still fine. I mean, he sleeps like three or four hours a night and he just like exists on a diet of like black coffee and Diet Coke. And man, this, this is not good for your health. You're also important you gotta come to your own truth. The White House is totally confused. They have no idea what's going on. There's one around. Okay. It wasn't like a formal interview. Yeah. I, we would just kind of have this free rolling mm -hmm. conversation. Melania, you know, Queen Melania. I mean, she's got him by the balls because uh, I guess they made that deal when that they're gonna stay together until he's out of office. I'm, I'm, I can't opine to that. Yeah. The under 25-year-olds that they love populism, mm -hmm. they love nationalism. Yeah. They love their countries, right? They were raised as little kids. It's not, you know, that's all the brotherhood of the man, but they're raised that, hey, America's great or Italy's great or mm -hmm. whatever, right? So it's, it, the, 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 you're going to see a lot more of that, particularly a lot more internet stuff focused on turnout of, of young, not just for the not just for the other side. The other side's under the impression they own that, they don't. They're going to be a shock. And at the yeah. time, when I saw him, he had been living off of the Mercer money for years. And when Bannon's relationship with Trump blew up, the Mercers had to make a choice. And ultimately, they kind of went with Trump and cut Bannon loose. Okay, so he's he, he needs money. So... It, like, the shoe is on the other foot. Like, now he really needs to come off well in your story. Yeah, it was like now the power had sort of shifted. And when he was in the White House, I needed him. And now he's on the outside and he needed me. More after the break. Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did, and suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. We're going to pick up with Gabe talking about his Vanity Fair story on Steve Bannon. 
I think he didn't hold really anything back for that story. You know, super candid about Trump, Jared, Ivanka, like the rest of just how Trump had basically squandered this opportunity. It's a rehabilitation of Jared and Ivanka. Uh-huh. So that's why they're doing the Kanye West thing. That's why they're doing the Kim Kardashian. Yeah. That's why they're doing the prison reform thing. Now. And there were some people around Bannon at the time that were whispering in my ear that like Steve might run for president. And like, I think it's such a window into his ego that like he always thought of himself as the true brains behind Trump and that if Trump could do it, like he was going to do it. So what was his reaction to the story when it came out? I think he regretted some of the things he said because there was like there was like total blowback. I think Trump tweeted something along the lines of the best thing I ever did in my campaign was to fire Steve Bannon. He didn't realize that Trump was still so powerful in the right wing and the article didn't have the like the kill shot that he thought it might. And so I think he tried to walk back certain things. But ultimately, you know, he thought the story was fair. I mean, that's that's the one thing I respect about Steve is that He's not one of, he's a big boy, right? He knows how the game works. He's not one of these people that gives an interview and then says like, oh, this was all made up or, you know, I think it was uncomfortable for a while. It reduced my access, but it didn't like, he wasn't like, I'm never going to talk to you again. Right. And so where the hell is Bannon now? What's going on with him? Um, I haven't talked to him in uh, in over a year uh, with all of his legal troubles. He was pardoned by Trump on the federal fraud charges, but then he was indicted for contempt of Congress because he refused to testify in front of the January 6th committee. And and then he was indicted again in the state of New York for the same fraud charges. And the, what are the fraud charges? Essentially that he, he created a nonprofit that was called Build the Wall that was going to raise money from small donors to help build the wall on the Texas-Mexican border. But essentially, as the allegations allege, he funneled a lot of that money to himself to like pay for jets and hotels and, and whatnot. So... I mean, you said that he was really transactional, but you were sort of transactional in this, too. Yeah, I know. And it's funny. I have friends who are not reporters who look at me and they're just like, I don't know how you do this. Like, how can you look at that man in the eye and just not say that he's a monster? And, you know, I think when I'm reporting, you have to almost treat your subjects and sources like a therapist would a patient. Your job is to the reader to help explain the world to the reader. And these people are very influential and have a ton of power. And it doesn't help that effort if you're just like, I think you're disgusting. So I kind of turn that part of my brain off and I focus on how do I say something true about these people that doesn't sugarcoat it or whitewash anything, right? It's like, it's transactional, but it's in the service of, of a larger goal. The goal is, you know, you can't ignore people like Steve Bannon, right? I mean, they're there, so you might as well try to understand them. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to Infamous. We'll be back next week with another story about how the rich and powerful protect themselves. This one is going to be very creepy and very strange. It's about the Nexium sex cult, and you don't want to miss it. Infamous is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. It's created, executive produced, and hosted by Gabriel Sherman and me, Vanessa Grigoriadis. Shoshi Shmulevitz is our managing producer and editor. Rajiv Gola is our senior producer and editor. And Lily Houston-Smith is our associate producer. 
This episode was sound designed by David Devereaux and recorded by Ewan Lai Tremuen. Some of this reporting appeared in Vanity Fair magazine. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.